0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. Why is big business, especially in America, becoming so aggressive in its championing of liberal causes? It's not just the compulsory flying of the rainbow flag outside every store. Corporations such as Netflix and Disney are threatening to take punitive measures against US states that legislate against abortion. Meanwhile, those same businesses don't have a problem investing in countries with a truly gruesome human rights record, and especially countries that persecute Christians, the one minority whose identity is never championed by woke capitalism. What's going on? I'm joined by Tim Stanley of The Daily Telegraph and Father Benedict Keeley from the charity Nazarene.org, which campaigns for persecuted believers. Tim, why this endless political posturing by people who are basically just there to sell us stuff?
1: There's a war going on in America around abortion. And in some states, you see it being liberalized. In some states, you see it being restricted a great deal more. What's interesting is the liberal reaction to what's going on in the more conservative states. You have an alliance of, on the one hand, the Democratic Party, which has developed almost a sacramental attitude towards abortion, that is, regarding it as a, a sacred civil right that no one can touch. And they follow that to its logical conclusion, increasingly, of saying you should be allowed to do it effectively up to birth, if not after, in very specific circumstances. So you have the Democratic Party on uh, 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 fighting this, But interestingly, you also increasingly have business and you have corporations. One example was Disney, which said after the Heartbeat Bill was passed in Georgia that because of the opposition of its staff, because its staff felt so strongly against the bill, that Disney might not be able to go on filming in Georgia and might have to pull out of the state. I think it's very important that we keep some perspective. Uh, What we're not talking here is the open persecution of Christians that you get in the developing world, obviously. It's important to remember that business has always been involved in politics and still is. And there are businesses that are involved in right wing issues around tax, as well as there are businesses involved in more liberal issues. And we should also see it from the liberals' point of view when they say we're just defending constitutional rights here. And if a business wishes to step in and take a position, then we welcome that. Nevertheless, What's inescapable is that there is a, a growing sense of consensus, which is upheld by the established establishment institutions of business, media and politics, that certain positions are totally unacceptable, are equivalent to fascism, and that in defence of liberal freedoms, those opinions must actually be confronted or squeezed out of the public sphere. And if you follow that logic through to its natural conclusion, anyone who believes something which compels them to take that sort of position, to take a controversial position, effectively are being told, you have no place in the public sphere.
0: What strikes me very strongly is the selectiveness of the outrage. So that these companies, which are, excuse the cliche, but frantically virtually signaling about abortion, are perfectly happy to invest in countries in which there is the literal persecution of Christians, as Father Ben Keeley knows only too well. Well, and the most obvious country is China,
2: and we might, you say, selectiveness. Another word might be rank hypocrisy. However, business has always been hypocritical in a sense. Business perhaps is morally neutral. But there is, uh, as Tim said, it's, it's a very... The word war is a good word. It's a, it's a new civil war so far without violence. And both positions, you could say, have some uh, backup, as it were, in the US Constitution. However, it seems to be... It's, un, it's unbalanced, that's certainly for sure. It's very unbalanced. And to take it down to a very basic level for example, the use of the word Nazi. We've seen that with Trump's visit here to England just a few weeks ago, people screaming at other people that they're Nazis. Well, if everyone is a Nazi, no one's a Nazi. So hypocrisy, I suppose we can always accept and live with. But as Tim said, the the, the the worrying thing is that squeezing out of the Christian position in the public square, it's far less so in America because of America's traditions. Here in England we're seeing that more and more. That the Christian position is certainly regarded as odd. I mean we remember Alistair Campbell and the we don't do God stuff, but An orthodox with a small o' Christian, Bible-believing Christian, a Christian who believes in marriage between a man and a woman, and who believes that life begins at conception, is regarded as certainly odd, if not dangerous, in some way, I think, in contemporary
0: society, and needs to be, in some sense, silenced. It is, however, the case that many other religions hold, if you like, equally illiberal beliefs, sometimes the same illiberal beliefs, but they're not held to account for them. It is the Christian espousal of pro-life causes. And I know that that, not everybody listening to to this podcast by any means will be pro-life, but I think they would wish to see people enjoy the freedom to express those positions. Those other groups in society, other religious minorities who hold conservative views, are not the subject of mockery and outrage in the same way. Tim, why do you think that is? That's partly because one is always
1: instinctively tougher on yourself than you are on other people or other cultures. And a very interesting thing about uh, Disney and abortion is that people still film in Northern Ireland, uh, which, of course, has very strict anti-abortion laws. And people have pointed out that it's strange that Hollywood uh, would feel so strongly about those laws in America, but not in Northern Ireland. And that's very simply because people tend to be uh, more focused on the moat in their own eye than in other people or other people's cultures. But there's also undeniably a political correctness, um, a reluctance to criticise minorities because they are minorities. And in the the grand liberal schema, simply being in a minority position uh, doesn't put you beyond criticism, but it means that you criticise in a different and a far more careful and nuanced manner. And we're seeing tensions arise from that. The most obvious example in Britain is there is a big debate over the teaching of sex and and relationships education to very young children. The government has passed a a law which effectively says you must teach it, but it doesn't doesn't necessarily prescribe it. It just says you must stick to the Equalities Act. And in Birmingham, there's been a huge row because local Muslim parents feel that the head teacher there has gone too far and they've been protesting outside schools. Now watching the left attempt to deal with that has been very interesting because it poses against each other two different minorities, both of which have a damn good claim on the liberal heart. One is gays and lesbians uh, who want to see it taught in school that they're perfectly normal and that children should accept them and tolerate them. And on the other hand, you've got Muslims who feel, well... We we have our beliefs, we're a minority, we're being denied the right to teach our children what we like. Well, there is a classic tension between freedoms, and liberals simply don't know how to resolve it.
0: Liberal disdain for their post-Anglo-Saxon culture is, is nothing new. George Orwell famously drew attention to it. I wonder if something has changed and something rather unexpected has happened. In Alabama and Georgia, there has been a populist backlash to a liberal and, I think, completely repugnant new abortion law, which is tantamount to infanticide. Uh, This backlash has seen laws being passed in defence of life that I don't think the liberal elite expected. And I sense that for the first time in many years they are embattled and that from the point of view of those who hold anti-abortion views, they might actually feel that we're maybe... Reaching a pro-life moment precisely because the hysteria and the intolerance is offending the general public's sense of fair play, certainly in America. Well, and specifically in America, if you look at the growth, for example, of the March for Life,
2: which has become an incredible phenomenon in the US, although always very underreported, that you can have almost a million predominantly young people. That there's a massive change. And the other thing that we, we, we don't hear about much from the media is the effect of science. I mean, science is now making it, making it more and more impossible to deny the reality of what is in the womb. And this has been the cause, uh, for example, of, of, of if not conversions, uh, a number of prominent abortion doctors have given up their practice, precisely because they were unable anymore to, to argue that this is just a lump. This is well, all these, these words that they used for describing the, the baby in the womb. I think that's very important that, um, as it were, the news is, is filtering out, uh, even though often it's suppressed. And so the response, I think part of this backlash is uh, a response to that fact.
0: It does raise, I think, the question of just how firm the hold of elite, secular, metropolitan liberals, whatever you want to call them, is on the general public, including the Democrat voting general public in America. Archbishop Chaput of Philadelphia has just used the deliberately provocative term sacrament or perverse sacrament to describe the way a certain strain of Democrats now thinks about abortion, something to be celebrated, something that almost wholly In itself. And Tim, I wonder if you agree that effectively this takeover of the Democratic Party by the hard left, rather like the takeover of the Labour Party by the hard left, is not in tune with public opinion. One thing that's very
1: unusual about liberalism among ideologies is it insists it's not an ideology. Uh, The people who practice it are convinced that they are simply following common sense and compassion. They don't realise that what they believe in and what they do has hardened into something. The public does understand that and does see it, and there is a backlash to some of the excesses of liberalism. And there's especially a backlash whenever liberals try to shut down debate, often invoking defence of liberalism as a reason to shut down that debate. And in that sense, I think they are scoring a series of own goals. A very significant one in the 2016 election, you may recall, was when Hillary Clinton said of Donald Trump, Donald Trump's supporters that some of them belonged in what she called a basket of deplorables. And this is, this is classic liberal thinking, that if you disagree with us, you must be either morally repugnant or stupid because liberalism is just common sense. Now, the problem is that if you say things like that, you lose not just the argument, but you lose people who are related to or know the people who you're attacking. It's a little like in the way in which almost everyone now across society accepts gay rights because they know someone who's gay. The same actually goes with conservatism and Christianity. When you say that anyone who supports Trump is in the basket of deplorables, well, you could be talking about my grandfather, And he's very passionate about Trump, but he's not a deplorable person. So whenever you overstep the mark, whenever you forget that you are an ideology, you're trying to shut down the other side by just insisting that they are simply beyond the pale. Well, you put some voters beyond the pale and you lose
0: them and you can never win them back. Not just voters, but customers. I think this is a very dangerous moment for big business. So many corporations have sounded an absolutely hysterical note in their opposition to these anti-abortion measures. And in so doing, but taking exactly the same risk as, as politicians who slag off the families of their own voters. Big business also seems to be in thrall to liberal views so extreme that they cannot represent a consensus among their own customers. <laughs>
2: Well, you could say big business, academia, the media, in a sense, all are vastly overrepresented by, as it were, the the metropolitan bubbles, both here in London, in New York, in LA. It's the same, as Tim said, about the deplorables. Remember Obama's famous phrase, those who cling to their guns and their religion. It's that condescending look down the nose from people who are happy to eat canapes in Manhattan, a sipping a latte, uh, looking down at those who cling to their guns and religion, who actually are the, the large silent majority in America, not gun-toting crazies, but people for whom their faith is important. And yes, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms is also important. But they are once again are are, are the excluded group. They are the people who are not represented, and perhaps one doesn't want to bring it the dreaded Brexit. And again, it's the same thing, that this large group of people who are not fascists who are not extremists, who are normal people, have just felt so underrepresented that there is—it's it's a little bit like, perhaps it's pushing it to an extreme, but it's the—it's uh, the network. Uh, remember Peter Finch in, in *Network* saying, "I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it You're anymore."
0: Showing our rage, father. I know.
2: Well, still, I know they just remade *Network*, but it's—that uh, was sort of pre-pre-Trump, pre-everything, but it was a sign of sort of. Rage. Rage is not necessarily a good thing, but it's also not necessarily a bad thing if it's properly directed. And this is the point. I think the, the large group who feel underrepresented or not represented at all need some kind of voice. The danger is, if I may predict, that the left doesn't realise, I don't think, that they, by their continued suppression of, of open and free speech, are in fact encouraging the rise of the extreme right, who they're always speaking about, because people will be driven to the extreme.
0: They may indeed be encouraging that, but to sound a more optimistic note, they may may also be encouraging people whose take on abortion is more nuanced and thoughtful and who are genuinely grievously offended by the persecution of Christians worldwide as they learn about it to make their voices heard. In a sense, I don't think there's ever been a more dangerous moment for the liberal elite.
1: I have here in front of me a a wonderful headline, which to me sums up woke capital. Arms manufacturer BAE Systems is named the lead sponsor of Pride in Surrey. Not only does this make BAE just look a bit strange, but it also makes Pride look a bit strange. What does it mean to the people involved in that? A lot of gay rights people come from the old left who were seriously opposed to war. And to have their Pride event sponsored by BA systems, what does that mean about their movement? You know, the, the involvement of capital, capitalism and corporations in politics doesn't just reflect something about the corporation. It can also reflect something about the politics. And I would say to some liberal groups and movements who are welcoming that kind of endorsement, what what do you think it says about your cause? And what it can say about your cause is you're being branded, being used to sell things, Someone in some department, somewhere in a corporation has decided, everyone likes Pride now, so we're going to put our names on something to do with Pride, and that'll make people buy things. What? I can't imagine. I shouldn't think the Saudi government is looking at Pride in Surrey and thinking, well, if BAE Systems is pro-gay, we're going to start buying their aeroplanes. I doubt that's how it's going to work. So everyone comes out of this compromised in some way, it doesn't reflect well upon anyone involved. And there is a huge group of people in the middle who are not like not like us, dare I say, uh, on the Christian side of things, and who are also not on the corporation side of things, who are just sick to death of politics. And they don't understand why Netflix, why Disney has to be talking about politics. They just want to go and see a movie with their families that's about a singing genie. They're not interested uh, in, the, in what that has to say about intersectionality. They don't care. And that's one of the things it's going to eventually do for liberalism, is its encroachment into everything.
0: Tim Stanley, thank you for that deliciously surreal piece of news. And Father Benkely, many thanks to you as well.